This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Just like us today, it says in Acts 5.32, Acts 5.32, We are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So we're witnesses in the world, and we're not alone, just like they weren't alone in their own cities. The Lord is there also. And so whether we teach or to preach or to evangelize or to share the gospel or witness or bring the gospel or help another person find Christ, we're not working alone in a vacuum. We're not in a vacuum. The Lord has decided to go right there with us. Now, the Lord is working in Israel. He's in full swing. People are learning. People are being healed. People are being saved. It's a wonderful time. Wonderful time for the Lord. It's a wonderful time for the 12 disciples. But it's not a wonderful time for John the Baptist. Why? Because John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist is the one who was described in John 3, 26. They came unto John said unto him, Rabbi, he that it was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore it's fulfilled. John the Baptist is the friend of the bridegroom. John the Baptist is the friend of the Lord Jesus. And he said that he's the one who stood and heard the voice of the Lord Jesus, and he greatly rejoiced. It was a fulfilling joy, he said that. But things are now a little different for John the Baptist because John has stood up for what's right in Matthew 14.3, for Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto her, it's not lawful for thee to have her. 
So Herod has decided that his brother Philip's wife was nice. He liked her, so he decided to take her for his wife. And John the Baptist says something which is definitely not politically correct. He said to Herod, wrong for you to have your brother's wife. It's wrong for you to take your brother's wife. And that landed John in jail. So John is now in a dirty, rat-infested, cold, damp prison left there to rot. And in that dark prison, John has time to think. And he's thinking about Herod, the person he's accused. And he's thinking about him up there in his plush palace with all the pleasures, the comforts, the joys in the middle of his sinful life. And this gives John a time just to think, this isn't right. This isn't just. Here I am, a faithful servant of the almighty God, and I'm suffering and rotting in this prison. And there's Herod, a horrible rebel against God, and he's enjoying the best that life has to give. John, who's dedicated his life to getting Israel ready to receive Jesus as the Messiah, ready to receive King Jesus, has now been cast into prison there. No one told John that it was gonna be end like this. There is no verse in the book of Isaiah about the voice in the wilderness rotting in a Roman prison. It's just a little too hard for John. It's just a little too hard for John the Baptist to take. It's just a little too hard for John to hear the reports of the success of the Lord Jesus while he's rotting in that prison. Reports like Luke 7, 16, and there came a fear on all. They glorified God, saying that a great prophet, Jesus, is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout the region round about, and the disciples of John showed him of all these things. So all of a sudden, John finds himself just downright downcast. He's discouraged. He is, and, he's, and John the Baptist is wavering. John is wavering? John was sure that Jesus was the Messiah. John was sure that Jesus was the one who should come. John announced, gave the great announcement in John 1.29. John 1.29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And he said, This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it bowed upon him. And I knew him not, but that he sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Well, that was yesterday. That was yesterday when John the Baptist had that great following. But today, John the Baptist is in a prison, and it's just gotten to be a little bit more than John can bear. And he begins to waver. 
and he begins to doubt. And he says in Luke 7, 19, Luke 7, 19, John calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, art thou he that should come or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee saying, art thou he that should come or look we for another? And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits and of many were blind, he gave sight, and Jesus answering said unto them, go your way, tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. So John doubts, he sends two of his disciples with a question, are you really the one? You really the one that should come? Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world? Are you really the Son of God? Or did I just mistakenly think you were? Maybe we're really looking for another. John the Baptist, he knows better, but he's tired. He's cold, he's hungry, he's discouraged. He sees no way out of that prison. And that's what discouragement will do to you and me. It makes you angry. It makes you cynical. It makes you bitter. It makes you distrustful. It just makes you want to just die like it did for Elijah. Elijah in 1 Kings 19.4. Elijah, 1 Kings 19.4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it's enough now, Lord. Oh, Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. First Kings 19.10, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Four more verses down. First Kings 19.14, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So here in 1 Kings 19, three times Elijah has just, has just had it. He's done. He's wasted. He's ready to check out. Just die. And that's what discouragement do for you. Makes you bitter. Makes you cynical. Something else discouragement will do for you makes you think you're the only one in the world who's ever been treated that way because you're all alone going through this and that gives you the right to feel that way. I know that from experience because that's how I felt last week and I was on a Zoom meeting with three lawyers in Jerusalem, in Israel, who explained to me very clearly, this is after I had amassed all my stuff to go to Israel so I could be an Israeli citizen, but they said, oh no, you are banned from becoming an Israeli citizen because you as a Jew believe in Jesus. And they explained to me that I was an enemy of the state of Israel because I as a Jew believed in Jesus and for all intents and purposes, the state of Israel would rip from me if they could my identity of being a Jew because I believed in Jesus. And I was pretty discouraged. And I thought to myself, 
I thought some things that I'm not going to repeat right now because that, that's not right. I thought to myself, some really, God has more patience with them than I do. And God has more love for them than I do. And I was thinking, there's no Jewish believer in Jesus. Well, there certainly wasn't on that Zoom meeting in Jerusalem and began to feel I was the only Jew in the world that believed in Jesus. And I, that was the day I got an email from a person I never knew before. And the email said, hey, Tom, I just sent you a friend request. For some reason, I received your book in the mail today, and I just finished reading it. I loved it, capital letters. Great book. I, too, am a Jewish believer whose life was miraculously changed at the age of 39. My passion, like yours, is to see people saved. I've written three apologetic books that give historical evidence for the resurrection, some of it from Jewish sources. They can be read for free at jimjacobbooks.com. Signed, Jim Adler, attorney at law, Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri? I didn't know there were any Jews in Kansas City, Missouri. (laughs) Well, with that email, God was saying to me, you're not alone. There's some other enemies of the state also, Jewish believers in Jesus. And from that email, God was saying to me, you thought you're alone? You're not. Cheer up, Tom. So that's how God encouraged Elijah. In 1 Kings 19.18, when God told Elijah, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which had not kissed him. That statement, God said to Elijah, you thought you were alone? You're not. There are others, about 7,000 of them. You don't see them, but cheer up, Elijah. So God's gonna now encourage a pretty discouraged John the Baptist. Before that, we see that We need to take a little special notice of the title that John the Baptist has given to the Messiah. Very important. It says in verse three, uh, John the Baptist asks, art thou he that should come? That's how John the Baptist saw the Messiah. That's how he referred to the Messiah. He said that earlier in John 1.27. When he referred to him, he said, he it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latch I am not worthy to unloose. John the Baptist saw the Messiah as he it is who coming. He that should come. He's the coming one. That's the chief characteristic of the Messiah. He's the coming one. As a matter of fact, the Messiah is called in Hebrew ha-ba. Ha-the-ba. Come. The one who comes. These are the words of the Messiah himself. This is how he describes himself in Psalm 40, verse 7, where he said, then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it's written of me. The Messiah is the one who says, lo, I come. The Messiah is the coming one. And we're the ones who are, 1 Corinthians 1.7, we are waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13, we are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Just like the hymn says, ho, my comrades, see the signal waving in the skies, reinforcements now appearing, victory is nigh. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus signals still, wave the answer back to heaven, by thy grace we will. So the Messiah is known as the one who says, lo, I come. He's the coming one. He comes because he loves the world. And by coming, he becomes the Lamb of God, to open the door to the world, 
to not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. He comes because he loves to obey the Father. Obey the Father who sent him into the world, not to condemn the world, no, but to save the world, John 3, 17. John 3, 17, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He, becomes, he comes because he's full of tender mercy, not just mercy, but tender mercy. As it says in Luke 1, 78, Luke 1, 78, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring on high had visited us. He comes to save us from our sins. That's why he came in Luke 19.10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He comes to minister to us. He comes to give his life a ransom for many, Mark 10.45. Even the Son of Man came not to minister, be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So John asked the question. John asked the question, although he was weak, John was weak. Nevertheless, he comes to the right place. He comes to the right place. He has this question, and the response that the Lord gives gives us a very, very wonderful picture of the intimate look, the intimate dealing that the Lord has with the weakness of John the Baptist. In a sense, we see in this phase in the life of John the Baptist, in this phase in the life of John the Baptist, in a sense, we see a prophecy, a picture, an illustration of the nation of Israel. We see in John the Baptist, Israel. We see in John the Baptist, Israel that doubts, Israel that questions, Israel that looks at Jesus today and says, we look for another. We don't believe he's the one. We look for another. But in this question that John the Baptist asked, we see in the weakness of John, the great John the Baptist, we see the man who was great but now is weak. We see a man who shook all Israel. We see a man who has a history of a record of Matthew 3.1, Matthew 3.1, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The same had a raiment of camel's hair, leather girded his loins, meat was locust, wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees, Sadducees, come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. Think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the ax is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Who's this? This is very different from the person we're reading about now. This is the fearless John the Baptist who confronted the Pharisees, the Sadducees, as the generation of the snake who brought Adam and Eve into sin. 
This is the great John the Baptist who declared his message to not just a handful of people, but he thundered his message to a multitude, it says in Luke 3, 7. Luke 3, 7, then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers. We've never seen doubt in John the Baptist. We've never seen weakness. We've never seen a lack of confidence in John the Baptist, but now he's in a prison cell. Now it's a different John. He's broken. He's broken, and he's in essence. We can see him there holding his head in his hands and saying, maybe I was all wrong. Maybe I was wrong about you, Jesus. Maybe it's not true. Maybe I was a fool to say that you, Jesus, look at me now. I used to preach to multitudes. Now the only multitudes I have is a group of rats. I'm just so down. And that's the state of John the Baptist who called himself in John 3.29, John 3.29, a friend of the bridegroom. And now, now John, the friend of Jesus, has got his soul cast down to the ground of a dirty, rotten prison. And that's sometimes the way we are. Sometimes we find ourselves that way. So this is John, and this is also Jesus, John's friend. This is also Jesus, our friend. And this Jesus is going to restore his friend John. And the first thing that Jesus says to John's disciples, messengers, in verse four, Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. So the Lord Jesus didn't refer back to him, will you go and show him again? But he didn't say that way. He used his name, go and show John, tender. States John's name, revealing his understanding of John's troubles, his compassion for John. He's really showing here how special he was as a priest, Jesus, in Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he's touched with the feeling of the abandonment that John was feeling, that abandonment. He knows it so well, that feeling of abandonment when he cries out from the cross, the Lord Jesus, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou abandoned me? And he's touched with that feeling. And so therefore, he does something very special when the disciples of John are there. It says in Luke 7, 21, Luke 7, 21, in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues as evil spirits, many that were blind, he gave sight. And Jesus answering said unto them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached. So to restore John, the Lord took John's disciples and gave them a special little show, a special little demonstration before your very eyes. He's telling them, now you guys keep your eyes open and you just watch this carefully and you go back and you tell John exactly what you saw and what you heard. That's your message. And what a message that was that those disciples of John carried back to John, a message of, we saw it, we saw it with our own eyes. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.